0: Well, uh, we just got back, uh, a whole bunch of us, about 100 of us, went over to Spain uh, about a week ago. Four days ago, we got back, um, and, uh, and to meet, we've got 120 goers from around the world that all came to Barcelona to celebrate what God's doing. Folks, just like this, folks that they, they're, they're not going short-term. I, I think you probably gathered that. Maybe I should have been more explicit. But these aren't folks that are going on short-term trips the next year, although we want to send a bunch more of those. These are folks that are selling everything they have, right, and leaving Austin for good, saying goodbye to friends and family, learning a language, and, and asking God, begging God to plant churches where there are no churches currently. And so we have uh, over 100 folks from around, uh, around the world that all came together in Barcelona. And we got to love on them and care for them. And church, I, I wish um, for uh, just a few little segments you could have been there. It was, um, it was definitely one of the sweetest times of my, of, of my life. And uh, just so thankful that we get to be a, a church that is continuing to send more and more people to see people worship Jesus around the world. Uh, the, God is using our church, friends. God is using our church to see Afghanis and Pakistanis and Syrians come and worship him around the world. And we get to be a part of that. So thank you. Thank you for those of you that prayed. There were some of you that were part of, they had a 24-hour prayer thing happening during all four days. So especially to you 2AMers and 3AMers, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for praying and for all, all of you on advocacy teams that made these little boxes. They loved them so much. We've got to do things like have a Christmas dinner with them and, because they, they give that up, right, uh, year after year. And so we just got to bless them in some of those ways. So thank you. Um, and so here's the question we want to ask today. Why send more, right? With 120-some overseas and 35 more ready to leave this year, why in the world would we send more? I mean, it'd be easy to kind of sit back and think, I mean, hey, bro, I know this is, you're really pumped about this, but I, I think we're doing our part, right? I think we're good. Why send more? Why send more? And here's the answer. Ultimately, because Jesus isn't receiving all the worship that he is due, because Jesus isn't receiving all the worship that he is due. Revelation 5, 9. You don't have to turn there. You can read it behind me. And they sang a new song. We're singing to Jesus, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation." So in Revelation 5, we, the global church, are all around the throne singing this song to Jesus, right? Jesus, you're worthy of the worship of all the peoples in the world. The reason that you were killed is because you wanted to pay for or ransom some from every people group on the planet. By your blood, you ransom these people from every people and language to worship you. This passage shows us exactly what it looks like. For Jesus to get all the worship he deserves. All the worship that he died for. The full number has been ransomed. And yet sometimes when we talk about the world or the nations of the world or people in other countries, we can be a, a bit apathetic, can't we? I'm, I'm no different, right? Big deal that a bomb went off. We, we read the news and we read about this crazy, you know, thing that happened in Israel just recently, and we're like, man, that's too bad for them. But we can be apathetic, right, because we're not there. We don't live down the street from that, like some of our friends do. And I'm no different than y'all. I really am not. Even though this is my full-time job, I still struggle with apathy sometimes. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we live in the reality that the full number is not complete, that we have brothers and sisters overseas? Now, some of you, especially those that have adopted internationally, I think you're the ones that resonate the most with this, right? Because you've had, you've gone through, if you've never adopted internationally, it is a crazy process. It's almost like they're trying to make you go crazy as you're adopting, and all the people that adopted internationally said, amen. It really is nuts. But you, you have this feeling, right? This longing. You know that somebody is supposed to be in your family and they're not in your family yet. Or how about this one? How many of you guys have been to the Trail of Lights? You know, just across the, the lake, right? You've been to the, the Zilker Park phenomenon that happens every year with all the craziness you know, where you watch all the more twinkly lights than you've ever experienced in your entire life with like half the kids in Austin, and you walk like a penguin for about a mile and a half because there's so many people, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? You, you've been there. And, um, and, and you, you, you know, it sounded so glorious, right, when everybody talked about it, and all it was was like, wow, this is awesome. Can't feel my legs, you know? And and so my you know our family did it a few years ago for the first time, and I've got the boys um, a stroller in one of my shoulders, and Jamie's got the girls like hands clasped tightly, you know, because there's so many people, and, and we just get through the first big tunnel, and I look back and they're having a blast, you know, and, and it's like it's worth it, it's worth it. Tell yourself it's worth it, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, and um, and I look back one minute later and they're gone. I'm like, where? where? I mean, it was one minute. Where did you go? And so we, you know, work our way over to the side, right? And just think, man, maybe they just stopped and look at a display and certainly we'll see them in the mass of people, right? And we don't. And so we go to the end thinking that it will thin out and that we'll find them. Now, what, what would have happened if after an hour, if after an hour we didn't see them? How would we respond? How would I respond, right? Would we say, well, I mean, we waited, right? They should have been here by now. I'm sure they'll find their way home. I'm sure they will. No! That would never happen. Bad Dad of the Year award, right? That would never happen. No, we would do whatever it took that night to complete our family, to make sure that all six of us were there. Amen? And that's the kind of of picture that Revelation 5 is pointing to. It's saying that Jesus died and purchased for himself people from every people group on the planet, all 16,000 of them. And right now the family, friends, is incomplete. All of us are not around the throne. Right now we have sons and brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers out there who are desperately lost, who will worship Jesus but aren't yet. That's why we send more, because the whole family, all the families not there yet. Today there's about 7.3 billion people in the world, and and that that 7.3 billion breaks down in these things called people groups. When Jesus in the Great Commission said in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, the Greek word for nations is ethne, right? He said all the people groups, all the ethne, that's where we get this idea of ethnic groups or people groups. There seems to be about 16,000 of them in the world. And today, friends, there are 1,300 of those people groups still missing from that scene in Revelation 5, 9. They're not there. And it's a big problem if you love Jesus because our family is not complete. It's not okay to be at 14,000 or 15,000 until the whole number, all those that Jesus paid for, are worshiping him because he deserves all that worship. Amen? He deserves all that worship. And so because we're not in heaven right now, we know that number's not complete. Every tribe and language, every people group, isn't currently living for Jesus that Jesus paid for. They're not yet, but they will. And so we must send more. We must send more. Why? Because sending more equals more believing. And more believing equals closer to the full number. And closer to the full number equals Jesus returning. And Jesus returning means our complete and full enjoyment of him. And our complete and full enjoyment of him equals him getting all the worship that he deserves. And that's what we want more than anything. The two fit together, amen? Our complete and full enjoyment of him and him getting all the worship that he deserves are one in the same. It is our greatest pursuit. So how does this sending work? How does this sending work and who do we send? It's unpacked in Romans 10. That's where you can turn in your Bibles today. Romans 10, we'll start in verse 13. And as we read Romans 10, look for the gospel chain that's happening. And chain is a little bit of, I almost called it a gospel cycle because it really all centers around the gospel. It's like all the chains are linked to the gospel in the middle. So Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So let's start with verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord (coughs) will be sent. Sorry about that. This is really a summary of the first 12 verses in Romans chapter 10 that being saved is not based on our own righteousness. It's not based on how good we are. Rather, being saved is, verse 9, right? Confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing that God raised him from the dead. And anyone who believes this will be made right with God. This verse isn't saying that there is some... (coughs) Sorry, guys. That jet lag, right, mixed in with all the fun that happens on the plane on the ride over, still getting me a little bit. But this verse isn't saying that there is some magical enchantment to our salvation, that we don't say some magical name and then are saved, but it's a trusting into, a trusting wholly in the work and person of Jesus that saves us. This is the declaration of God's heart. Verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news for me and you, isn't it? It's really good news. We don't believe in an earn your salvation belief system. I don't know what you thought coming in here today, but but we don't believe in an earn your salvation belief system. You can't earn your salvation. It doesn't work that way. And that's really good news. It's good news for people that grew up in churches where they learned more about the rules than they did about God's love. It's really good news for our neighbors in Austin. It's really good news for Hindus and Muslims and Jews around the world who are continuing to try to work for some salvation that they'll never attain. It's good news. And I think we would all nod our heads to this. We would all nod our heads this is good news for everyone, right? Because everyone means everyone. Until we watch the news, it gets a little tricky, right? We see a terrorist attack in Germany or Turkey, and it's a little bit more difficult to agree with everyone. When we watch the news, we don't likely think, man, if those terrorists were to repent and call on the name of the Lord, call on Jesus' name, they would be saved. But we would be wrong. We would be wrong, friends, because everyone actually means everyone. See, people in Paul's days, Paul's the guy that wrote the book of Romans, People in Paul's day struggled with this same thought of everyone. Our passage today is right in the middle of Romans chapters 9 through 11, right? Where Paul is letting the Roman church know God is not just the God of Israel, but he's the God of the Gentiles, of the world as well. In other words, he is the God of all the peoples of the earth, even the countries that Israel doesn't like or didn't like. This is why Paul says multiple times, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Because one of the prevailing thoughts that Paul had to debunk in his time was that God belonged to a particular nation. Just like today, right? We can falsely believe that God is American. He's not, I hope you know that. Sorry if I'm breaking to that to you for the first, he's not American. He's not. He loves America, but he also loves the rest of the world. He's not American. None of us would, would really say that, right? We, we wouldn't say, it sounds foolish coming out of our mouths, or at least my mouth, God's in America. We wouldn't say that, but when we look at our lives, I wonder if we actually kind of do believe that. Look at, a, look at our giving, our praying, and our sharing, right? When we look at where do we give money? Are we giving it here locally, or are we giving it to the nations of the world, When we look at who we pray for, are we praying just for the the people in Austin and our, our local context here, or are we praying for the world? Think about our sharing. When people look at our sharing, are we showing Romans 10, 13 to be true in the way that we share the gospel? If someone were to observe who we share the gospel with, what would they conclude? Would it be number one, that no one can be saved? Because we're not sharing with anybody. Would they conclude that only people that look like us and talk like us can be saved because those are the only folks that we talk to about Jesus? Or would they conclude that everyone can be saved because we're desperately trying to share the gospel with all those that God puts in front of us? Here's what I'm not trying to do, friends. I'm not trying to pit the two against each other. America versus the world, okay? I'm not trying to do that. And Paul wasn't trying to do that. Paul loved his nation. Paul loved Israel. You look at a, a chapter earlier in Romans 9, verses 2 through 4. Listen to what Paul said. This is amazing that he would say this. This is how much Paul loved his fellow Israelites. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brother's. My kinsmen, according to the flesh, they are Israelites. Paul loved his country so much that he said, If it were possible, I would give my salvation so that they would say yes to Jesus. So, friends, if you love Austin, if you love Texas, if you've got the tattoo, fantastic. Okay? If Bluebell ice cream is the only ice cream you eat, that's awesome. Okay? Keep it up. Good job. All right? we desperately want to see more people in Austin and more people in Texas follow Jesus. And, and we want to see those who have never heard follow Jesus. It's kind of like being a Longhorns fan and a Cowboys fan. You know you can actually be both, right? You can, vo- you, can- you can cheer for UT, and you can cheer for the Cowboys, right? The two actually help each other out. If you're a fan of one, you'll likely be a fan of the other, and they spur each other on. No pun intended. So, I really didn't even have that down, right? Okay. I don't know, stuff just comes out. So, Paul clearly loves Israel. Paul clearly loves his nation, and has clearly been called by God to focus on those who have never heard So here's where we're going to start. The gospel chain starts with the gospel. It says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, the gospel impacts everyone. Everyone who hears the gospel is affected by the gospel or affected by Him. No one sits on the fence with the gospel. There is saved and not saved, these two camps alone. Now, some of you are like, Hey, man, that's kind of intense, right? It's it's kind of harsh. Like, it's so definitive. Like can't I mean is there some something else besides just those two? I mean that sounds really exclusive. I would say yeah maybe maybe it sounds exclusive, but I think it also sounds really inclusive. Remember what the verse says? Go back to it. It says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, every color, every race, every. Man, man, woman, child, every social, economic, demographic, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. That sounds pretty inclusive to me. See, following Jesus is the most inclusive and it's the most exclusive. It's the most inclusive because no matter what race or gender or class or ability or talent you're invited in, you're welcomed in to follow Jesus. And it's the most exclusive. Exclusive. You must bow down to King Jesus. And if you don't, no matter what your race or gender or class or ability or talent, you will be excluded from everlasting life. The Bible is very clear, my friends. It's very clear. So the gospel starts with the gospel. The gospel starts the gospel chain. Let's continue to see how this gospel chain thing works. Verse 14, right? Says this, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in whom they've never heard? So, all of the gospel chain centers around the gospel, believing in the gospel, seeing Jesus get all the worship he deserves. Hearing, so, how does it start? It starts by hearing the gospel. Hearing the gospel is the only hope anybody will ever have in believing the gospel. God saves through the hearing of the gospel you look a little bit later in Romans ten seventeen. it says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This text says that you have to hear the gospel in order to believe it. So how are you going to hear the gospel? Well, this is where preaching comes in. Again, real, real simple today, right? Verse 14 again. How will they call on in him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So preaching is about the gospel. Now, I'm not sure what comes to mind for you when you hear preaching. Likely, what comes to mind is what you hear every, every Sunday, right? No matter which campus you're on, I don't know if you know this downtown, but, but there's actually other locations. It's cool if you do, it's cool if you don't. But there's, there's four other places we meet in the city, and, and each of them hears the preaching of the gospel. And so at each place, whether it's through a screen or through live preaching, that's typically what comes to your mind, is a 30-minute longer if, you know, some of our other brothers, I'm not going to mention any names like I did first service, are preaching that tend to go over. West Campus, you know who I'm talking about, right? And, um, and, and, and it's, it's a well-polished um, talk, right? That's what we typically think of when we pre- think of preaching. Now, preaching definitely is that, but it's not only that. It's not only that. When you look at the Greek word for preaching you see that preaching can also mean proclaiming, or proclaiming publicly, or speaking with conviction. So here's what I want to say most clearly. You do not need the gift of preaching to preach the gospel. Amen? You do not need the gift of preaching, or teaching, or evangelism to preach the gospel. And introverts, I'm really sorry to put you on the spot, because you hate that, right? Sorry. Um, But... You're not exempt. You're not exempt. It doesn't have to look like it looks for those extroverts like me, right? Loud and spitty and, right? (laughs) But it does need to be proclaiming the good news. Because, this is why I say that, because preaching the gospel is not about your presentation, Preaching the gospel is not about the quality of your proclaiming. Preaching the gospel is about the gospel, and the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. God wants all of us to be preachers. Every single one of us. No one is exempt. So, how do people believe? They have to hear. How do people hear when someone preaches? How do people preach when they're sent? verse 15 It says and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good who preach the good news verse 15 makes it clear again that when we send people out we send them to preach the good news this speaks to the primary activity of those who are sent the preaching of the good news we don't speak if we don't speak the good news, then people won't hear. If people don't hear, they won't believe, right? And if people don't believe, then Jesus doesn't get all the worship that he deserves. It's interesting, isn't it, in, in how it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? Notice that it does not say, how beautiful are the mouths of those who preach the good news. It doesn't say, how beautiful are the minds of those that preach the good news. It says feet, the feet of those who preach the good news because the two primary activities of a preacher are to go and speak the good news. To go and speak. God isn't just looking for great speakers and great preachers. God isn't just looking for great theologians to represent him around the world. God is looking for faithful men and women who will go and speak the gospel. That's good news for 98% of us that don't fall into those camps. Let's, let's clarify something before we go any further. Does this mean that the only thing sent one should do is preach the gospel? What about helping people? What about demonstrating the gospel? What about the orphan and the widow? What about social justice? What about, the, what about the, the, the Matthew 25, Right? When we look at the life of Jesus and the instructions he gave his disciples as he sent them out in Matthew 10 and Luke 10. We see that he wanted them to both declare the gospel and demonstrate the gospel. Because they go hand in hand. And declaring the gospel will always be more effective if you demonstrate the gospel. So when our church, through our goers, is working with Afghan and Syrian refugees, you better believe they are helping meet the physical needs of these precious people, and they're proclaiming the good news of Jesus. The two work together. But I think Paul, inspired by God, knew that if we were going to not do one versus the other, which one were we going to be more afraid of for whatever reason? It was the preaching of the gospel. And so that's why he calls us all to be preachers, to preach the good news. We are sent to speak the good news of Jesus. So let's finish by asking, number one, who is sent? And number two, who do we send to and why? There's really two different kinds of sending that we do as a church. The first is this. Every one of us is sent Every one of us is sent. If you, if we, don't see ourselves as sent ones, then we have not really understood the gospel. Let me say it one more time. If we don't all see ourselves as sent ones, then we have not really understood the gospel. Seeing yourself as a sent one, being a preacher of the good news, is part of believing the gospel. The reason you have believed in us and are saved is because the gospel was preached to you. You heard it and believed it, right? And now you automatically must preach it. It is the nature of the gospel. Jesus spoke or preached it to people who heard and believed. And they heard it and believed it. And they preached it. And other people heard it and believed it. And they preached it and again and again and again until it came to you and me. The gospel, friends, was never meant to terminate on you. It was supposed to run through you. It came to you, and it's supposed to run through you to other people. Jesus came to you so that you could give him to other people. All of us are called to do that right here in Austin. So in that sense, we are all sent ones I want to give a couple couple encouragements here. Number one, if you don't know how to speak the gospel, it's okay. It's okay. You know what, We're gonna, you're gonna hear about from your campus pastor here in just a second that w- there's some options for you to find out, figure out what's next in being a sent one. And one of those options is a 10-week MC that focuses on what does it mean to speak the gospel to other people. And, and not just a classroom setting, you'll meet in somebody's apartment or house, but then you'll actually every week go out with your leader and they will show you, they will model for you what it looks like to speak the gospel Not because they're perfect at it or very eloquent or got it all figured out. Just because somebody else modeled it for them. And we want to help you proclaim the gospel. We want to help every single person in our church be a preacher of the gospel. Amen? Because that's what it means to believe in the gospel. And then number two, if you know what it means to speak the gospel but you just haven't, would you just own that? in front of your MC or your family or your roommates, would you just own the fact that you haven't spoken the gospel or maybe spoken it very little in 2016? And then would you get together with a group of people and commit by God's grace in 2017 that it wouldn't have to be the same, amen? It doesn't have to be the same, friends. God has more for all of us and a part of that is getting with a group of people and preaching the gospel. So, in that sense we're all sent and then we send some very specific folks like the folks that were up here on stage, like the folks that we have overseas. We send a very specific group of people. We send globally to those who have never heard we send globally to those who have never heard. We focus on those who have never heard. Remember how we started by asking why would we want to send more? And we said because ultimately Jesus isn't receiving the worship that he's due. Now listen what happens when we combine Revelation 5-9 with Romans ten 14. We'll read both of these. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seal. Open its seals, for you were slain, Jesus, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And then Romans 10, 14, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So we see this specific group of people. That's represented in 5.9 and not yet in Romans 10. Those who have never heard. Those who have never heard. These are the missing people. See, Jesus ransomed these people for God from every people group on the planet. And there are about 1,300 of those people groups that are still missing. Remember how he said that there's these 1,300 of the 16,000, right, when Jesus told us to go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups. There's 16,000 in the world. And about 1,300 are still missing From that scene in Revelation 5-9. They're still missing. They're not a part of the family. And God allows us and is inviting us today to be a part of what he's doing. So maybe, so he's for sure sending you to Austin, Texas. He's for sure sending you to your workplaces and your neighborhoods. But maybe he's sending you to China. Maybe he's sending you to Dubai. Have you ever asked him? It's not my job to mobilize you. It's God's, amen? He's the one that does the work. Have you asked him? Have you ever asked God, where, not if, but where would you want me to go? And why? Because of this. I gotta hear, this is just one of the many dozens of stories I got to hear last week. One of our families in South Asia, over the last year, it's incredible that this all just happened in a year, that one of our families in South Asia in the last year got to see seven different unengaged people groups. That means there's no church among them, right? No believers among them. There's nothing. Nobody was trying to engage them before this family entered in there. And seven of them, seven different whole people groups, started to follow Jesus this year. Yeah, that's incredible. You can clap for that. Because now they have a representation around the throne. Amen? Their seats were empty and now they're not. Ever since the first day I heard about unengaged people groups, I cried out to the Lord and said, God, would you let us please be a part of seeing at least just one of these people groups come to know you. And this family got to see seven can you imagine? <laughs> I, I, I can't. I don't know what it's like, but I, 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 I am so grateful to God that we got to be a part of it. As a church, we got to be a part of that. And we send people out to experience that firsthand. That's what these folks are going for, so that Jesus would get all the worship that he deserves. They would go from unengaged to engaged with the gospel. So, as a church, that's who we're focused on. That's where we send people globally. This focus on those who have never heard does not neglect, does not neglect or belittle peoples of the world who have heard, where there's still great need. And this global focus doesn't neglect or belittle our desire to reach Austin. They actually work together because of the gospel. Our increased value in preaching of the gospel here in Austin naturally leads us to want to put our focus on those who have never heard, right? It's how it plays out to its fullest expression. Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we need more to go to Austin, to Hyde Park, to Cedar Park, to Zilker Park, right? And we need more to go to China and India and the Middle East. They're waiting for us, friends. God is inviting you today. To be a part of it. And you don't need to have all the details figured out. You don't need to know where you're supposed to. Just let us help you figure out where you're being sent. Nobody's going to get on a plane tomorrow. Promise. Okay? The process is longer than that. So that we can help you figure out where you're supposed to be sent. Jesus said this at the end of the book of John. He said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Now, the only question for us is, who are we sent to? Let's stand. I want to pray for you, commission you, just like we commissioned our friends at the beginning. I want to commission you here at the end, all right, as his church, as sent one. So, God, we thank you. Pray for the people around you. Pray for yourself. God, we come before you, and we thank you that you let us be a part of your work globally here in Austin and throughout the world. God, you didn't have to do it that way. It's not because you need us, but you today and throughout your word are inviting us into your work, God, that we would be your people, a royal priesthood, a chosen nation, priests, people that are proclaiming your word. So God, we might have a lot of questions, like I don't even know how to find one of these groups. I don't know if I could speak the gospel. I don't know if I could go somewhere. But God, would you step into all those fears, speak the truth of who you've made us to be, that we are yours, we are chosen sons and daughters, that just like someone was faithful to preach the gospel to us, that we would do that for other people, so that that full number can be closer and closer and closer until this glorious day that you return. There's nothing more than we, that we want, God, than to be with you in all your fullness and glory. We just want to be with you, God. And that's why we preach the gospel. That's why we, we, we take next steps. That's why we go to the nations because we want to be with you. That is our motivation. It's not the mission. It's to be with you. We love you. We love you because you first loved us. All the church agreed and said, amen.